I'm Stephanie Cox, and this is Mobile Matters. Today, I'm joined by Dave Galanti at Mobivity. Dave is the SVP of Product Marketing at Mobivity, which is a restaurant marketing platform that's highly data-driven. Dave has extensive background in mobile with companies such as Motorola, Nokia, Salesforce, and Emarsis. In this episode, Dave and I talk a lot about the importance and impact of having your mobile app be one of the top five used apps by your customers, how the restaurant industry might actually be Amazon-proof, wouldn't that be great, and the importance of owning your customer data when third parties like DoorDash, Uber Eats, or big box stores are involved. And make sure you stick around till the end where I'll give my recap and top takeaways so that you can not only think differently about mobile, but implement it effectively. Welcome to the show, Dave. Tell me a little bit about how you first got started in mobile. Well, uh, I started at Motorola in 99. Uh, so I was actually a software developer uh, at Motorola uh, Infrastructure Systems. So working on the first 3G infrastructure uh, equipment. And then I also worked on handsets. So I actually worked on uh, the Razer 2 and some of the early Android devices at Motorola. So it's been a long, long 17, 18 year, you know, kind of view of mobile and all the evolution that's happened since then. So speaking of that evolution, what do you think has been the biggest change that you've seen, you know, from the late 90s to now that's been driving mobile trends and just mobile behavior? Well, I think, you know, that the hardware has definitely gotten really interesting. I mean, I think uh, we first saw the first iPhone and Motorola, the touchscreen, really, there was a lot of skepticism if that was going to take off. Definitely now that was, you know, definitely the way to go. And, and really, you know, the, the ability to kind of create, you know, apps and, and build apps seamlessly with SDKs that really accelerated the entire smartphone uh, market. And, you know, recently, I think, you know, things like, you know, NFC being built into uh, hardware make it really easy for companies to kind of extend the mobile experience besides uh, just a camera or even Bluetooth. So I think combining like a lot of really inter- interesting hardware advancements in, in in the platform and then creating easy to use SDKs to access that have really kind of made some interesting use cases come to life. I completely agree, um, especially when you talk about NFC. I know you know Android's been supporting NFC for it seems like the very beginning, right, a decade. And to have Apple finally put it in the new phone so it's part of the native operating system to me was a big win. But it'll be even bigger once it goes all the way back to like iPhone 7 or something like that. Yeah, I mean, I remember uh, being in that kind of mobile commerce space uh, with Alcatel Lucent and a lot of the executives at PayPal and others, you know, they, they coined NFC not for commerce. You know, really just trying to say that NFC... Was it going to be uh, mainstream payment, um, uh, you know, capable and really kind of to say it was going to be more of um, uh, a smaller use case um, um, kind of like technology? But definitely, I mean, look at Apple Pay now. Like that's really, you know, between Samsung Pay and, you know, Google Wallet and Apple Pay, NFC definitely is now a, a commerce driving technology. Definitely. And I always find it really fascinating how many people don't realize that NFC is what's powering, you know, like Apple Pay as an example. And you mention it to them, they're like, oh, you mean the thing that where I can just tap my phone? And I'm like, exactly. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, when you're in Europe, as you've probably seen this before, where, you know, every credit card is NFC enabled. So you'll see a lot of people that are visiting Indianapolis, you know, from from Europe, and they're taking their credit cards and just like they're tapping it on the Verifone point of sale system and nothing's happening. And they're confused why it's not working. <laughs> exactly. Because for, for them, it's just, it's a very seamless in, interaction. You know, you just simply tap the uh, credit card on the, on the point of sale and it works. 
Um, and you know, hopefully we'll, we'll get to a point where you know, our, our population and our culture uh, starts using the device like that payment you know, instrument. So I know at Mobivity, you guys are focused on the restaurant industry. So can you talk to me a little bit about the brands, you know, really in that space that are doing mobile well and what they're doing? There's a couple of key things that that restaurants want to do. Um, so in quick serve restaurants, fast casual, the key things is customer frequency, you know, getting customers to come back uh, more often. Most, most restaurants create a model that say, we think our customer comes in once a month or every or every two once every two months. And marketing platforms are really driven to collapse that frequency into a shorter duration so that an average customer comes in more often. And then the second part of that is when they come in, they actually spend more money. So actually increasing the average ticket. So in in the restaurant marketing space, that is like the, the name of the game. And if you can prove that. Uh, that you really have like a really uh, compelling reason to, to really kind of grow in the market. So that's what, 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 what Vivity does um, at, at its core is we track the the, uh, the result of outbound marketing through SMS uh, with that point of sale data. And, you know, in general, in, in restaurants, McDonald's has been really doing quite well with uh, their kiosk deployments um, in, in their in-store experiences and also uh, their app connecting you know, remote ordering to the kiosk. Um, so I think this is the last press release from McDonald's. They doubled their downloads to the 60 million uh, down, downloads. Now, you and I both know, our viewers do too, or listeners do too, is that, you know, typically, you know, to really kind of hit it out of the park with mobile, you have to be one of those top five mobile apps uh, that you people use. So McDonald's is competing with, you know, Starbucks because Starbucks is probably between Starbucks and, and Duncan is probably one of those top five apps. You know, I, I just got my coffee over uh, down the street and I ordered the coffee before I left the house, pulled up in a rainy, uh, rainy, rainy, you know, November day and just grabbed that coffee and, and, and left. And so for me, Starbucks is definitely one of those top five apps. Uh, for my wife, definitely Dunkin' Donuts is one of those top five apps. McDonald's, I think, is trying to get into that top five app category with things like mobile pay and loyalty. Another company that we see doing it quite well with, with mobile is Sonic. So Sonic Drive-In is one of our customers. Uh, we run their text messaging uh, program, both SMS and MMS. Um, one of their biggest pushes right now uh, is to basically institute order ahead across all their stores. So they really think that there's a uh, and they're measuring the success of people ordering uh, their their meal uh, and then enjoying it at at Sonic in their car, uh, but starting the whole the whole transaction on the mobile device. Thinking about McDonald's, one of the things that surprised me a little bit, and I know you mentioned their recent press release was you know a couple of months ago how open and honest their CEO was about how their mobile adoption was really struggling. So, do you think there was any? I mean, typically we don't see that from CEOs talking about, you know, a marketing program or specifically mobile that's struggling. But do you think that had any impact on, you know, what they've saw really in like three to four months, which was a tremendous uptick in usage? Yeah, I mean, I I, I remember seeing that same article, um, you know, a very transparent quote from Stephen Easterbrook saying that mobile wasn't working. Uh, It seems what they did is they went back and fixed a few things. I mean, First of all, advertising dollars go a long way. So McDonald's advertising dollars and promotion of things like the app really move the needle. 
you know, you, you just don't have those kind of tools available uh, to you with, with other brands, but they have the both input or, you know, you know kind of like um, foot traffic awareness uh, advantage. So if you increase point of presence uh, advertising uh, in the store, promoting the app, you'll see app downloads. If you start putting more um, advertising dollars towards promoting the app, you'll see app downloads increase as well. But most importantly, I think the, the app experience really did change with the integration of, of a pickup and, and order head. Uh, it really kind of makes it more of a utility and it gives people a really good reason to go and download. They didn't incentive. I think they also incentivized uh, the initial download and sign up with a with an offer. And there's exclusive offers in the mobile app that you don't get in other channels like email. So really, I mean, in terms of like mobile strategy, they they really turn things around really quickly. What would be the one thing you would say you have to do in order to drive adoption? Yeah, d- definitely the opt-in offer. I mean, we we test the opt-in offer dynamics uh, across uh, different restaurant brands. And and for some restaurants, you know, breakfast is a really high growth market. I mean, going back to McDonald's, right? All day, all day breakfast moved the needle for them. That really had an impact on their bottom line. Um, so that may have been one opt-in promotion that they use to get downloads to, to occur. Um, so, you know, the opt-in offer is definitely, different, definitely important. I think also just explaining to the customer what they're getting out of the app. Uh, it, it is really, really critical. Well, I think that's you know so key because a lot of times where we're so excited to launch an app and we think it's the most important thing and consumers are going to love it and we get it out there and people don't love it because we've not given them a reason to. We're pushing content or pushing functionality we want, but not making it something that they're compelled to use on a regular basis. Yeah, and I think I think to kind of get in that top five, you know, home screen, um, you know, kind of real estate, you've got to add value every single day. Uh, and you know, in, in the app world too, you know, there there is like this kind of app um, apathy, you know, and kind of like fatigue, where you know you've got a lot of apps, and if you're kind of on that second or third screen, it's kind of like the graveyard, right? Like you guys did a great podcast about that a few days ago. It was fantastic because I totally agree, and I think push notifications, you know that's really a risky thing. Like you don't always get opt-in for push. Um, and if you don't also do a second or third marketing channel initiative, like SMS and email, you're really at risk of kind of losing that download and also the money you spent to get it. So that's really kind of one of the things that mobile marketers look at is what's the cost of acquisition. And for mobile apps on average, it's about, you know, three to $4 per download. So, you know, unless you're able to kind of convert that user into an active buyer where they're actually making purchases through the app or, you know, getting some kind of impression or, you know, kind of value out of it, you could just be getting downloads for downloads, but not really getting anything out of the install base. So I know we talked about the importance of order ahead in restaurants. What are some other initiatives that you're seeing restaurant brands really focus on? So like in terms of like strategy for all the brands we talk to in the restaurant business, um, order head, order customization is super important, you know, and that, that's both over the web and, and mobile. I mean, you know, if you order from Papa John's, you see kind of like in real time where your pizza is, it's being made, it's, it's in the oven, it's out for delivery. And that kind of like gamification is like really engaging and, and people like that. So, and also the customization. So the idea is that the mobile or the web experience has to give you the same customization features that you would have if you were actually in store. So across the, the board, 
you know, all of our prospects and current customers um, have an initiative to to basically, um, you know, check the box on order head. Another thing that's really kind of kind of uh, growing right now is third-party delivery. So, you know, the, the growth of Uber Eats and Grubhub and Postmates, it's a big driver for restaurants, even though from the consumer, it is a bit more expensive, um, but people are willing to pay. You know, they're willing to pay the extra fee to have their food delivered. Now, what I did see recently was a stat that, you know, more, more than half of consumers are ordering dr- food directly from their native restaurant app compared to 36% on Grubhub and 31% through Uber Eats apps. I think personally that uh, Starbucks is skewing this number. Uh, if you included Starbucks from that that study, I think you'd see a lot more food ordering events coming from those apps like Grubhub and, 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 and Uber Eats. But you know, the one thing that's actually kind of been a bit strange and, and a bit of a kind of a red flag for a lot of brands with third party delivery is there's a question of like who owns the customer. So if I own, if, if you you know uh, use DoorDash for your order. Uh, uh, you know, DoorDash knows who you are, Stephanie Cox. They know where you live. They know how often uh, you're ordering. They're sending that order to the restaurant. The restaurant doesn't really know you. So there's really a need here to kind of connect the consumer directly to the restaurant when third-party delivery is, is happening. So at Mavivity, we think this is an opportunity to really kind of do really good receipt advertising. So the receipt is always going to be either stapled or physically put into the order. And that's really kind of like us, our our platform for our brands to have calls calls to action to link the customer directly back to the restaurant. Because right now, third-party delivery programs don't share customer data with the restaurants themselves. Another thing that's really growing is loyalty. You know, every brand I talk to in the fast casual QSR space you know, their, their check boxes for 2018, orderhead, third-party delivery, and loyalty. And what's interesting is that loyalty kind of differs quite a bit from restaurant to restaurant. You know, definitely like, you know, Starbucks has a great points program. You know, you, you buy enough, you get star points, and you can redeem those for free items. Uh, Duncan has a great mobile experience where the more you spend or if you buy certain items, you get bonus bonus points. It's another thing, another kind of trend that we're going to see probably right into 2019 is is the increase of loyalty to get those higher app downloads. Do you think that a lot of brands in the restaurant space are almost playing catch up to a lot of the rest of consumer brands in general that have been running loyalty programs for the last five to 10 years? I think so. But I think they're they're probably in an advantage um, because I think loyalty we saw a lot in the brick and mortar space is kind of going to Amazon. So, you know, in a way, they're in a, in a, the restaurant industry is kind of in a, in a really good spot right now because they're offering a product and a service that is Amazon proof. For example, like, you know, I was coming back from Phoenix last night and I was kind of putting together a to-do list for the weekend and, you know, light bulbs, I need extension cords, I need this, I need that, I need some, also some hiking equipment. You know, I'm not going to go download the Dick's Sporting Goods app or REI, or REI and order camping equipment and also download maybe Home Depot's app and order hardware. I'm going to go to Amazon. So Amazon then would then, you know, can collect all those things and ship it to my house by this weekend. You can't do that with food. Um, so really, you know, they're in a unique position to build a really good loyalty program because 
that is something that's not going to go away. So talk to me a little bit about what you, you know, in the restaurant space right now, what are brands not doing that you think they should be doing? There's not a lot of like concierge type of services. Like, you know, how, how was your meal really, you know, uh, or how was your experience? I think there's a, a missing gap here of having that ability to have like a one-to-one conversation with either that franchisee that owns a restaurant or even like the head of marketing for an entire brand. You know, we're, the restaurant industry is measuring success really by customer frequency and average ticket. But I think customer satisfaction is something that's really important because there's competition in the market. You know, look at the burger uh, space, right? There's tons of gourmet burger companies popping up everywhere. And it's interesting to know, is that customer actually having a good experience? I think that's one thing that we're not seeing right now, either in apps or in mobile messaging campaigns. And I know we talked a lot about downloads already, but when you think about measuring success in mobile, you know, what are those metrics that mobile marketers really need to think about? Yeah, I mean, I think downloads sometimes gets um, the front line, you know, kind of uh, front page kind of like headline news. But we both know download really isn't a measure of success because monthly active users tell you how many times people are actually going back and using that app over and over again. You can drive downloads with, you know, good promotions and, and free product and good advertising, but app design and user engagement is measured by active users. So I always think it's interesting that that metric is not included in a lot of press releases, uh, but really, if you're talking to your customers one-on-one, really ask them, what is their monthly active user um, rates? And also mobile attributed revenue. So, you know, uh, going back to what you said about everyone wanting to build an app, one thing that we we found out, and actually my experience at Amarsis was really where this really kind of accelerated, was we measure success of mobile applications by the revenue that came from purchases inside that context. So if I'm spending, again, 3 to $4 per download, am I actually getting revenue from that download through purchases? And then, you know, one, one third thing, going back to kind of like that, that customer experience is how much of the growth of that app or that mobile experience and that could be messaging, SMS, not just mobile apps, is coming from customer referrals versus paid advertising. So we know that people trust their friends and their friends' opinions more than they do, let's say, an ad on TV. But if I don't have a really easy way of telling my friends about the great experience I have with a brand through mobile, then I'm really missing out. And so we've instituted Mobivity, you know, a feature called Refer a Friend. And we do this with Subway right now. So Subways are one of our biggest clients in the SMS space. And we do all the weekly SMS offers on, for, for Subway subscribers. There is an option in that SMS program called Refer a Friend. And if you actually refer customers to the program, you actually get free stuff. You get a, a free offer. And we see a lot of growth in the database because of that kind of uh, activity. There's so many brands that aren't taking advantage or actively promoting referrals when I'm much more likely to try out, especially a new restaurant, if someone else has told me they liked it. Exactly. Yeah. So reviews on Google, you know, Yelp, they they definitely are great about discovery, but they're not using that same kind of behavior to have their customers go out and find other customers through through their friends. And I think that's one thing that uh, we're seeing as a really good tactic to, to accelerate growth. 
So I know we both are big believers that downloads are not, right, the key metric. But why do you think marketers tend to like attach onto it so much? It's a great question. I My only, you know, kind of explanation is, is that mobile download numbers are really easy to to obtain. So both Google Play and App, the Apple App Store, they provide those metrics for you. And those are free and those are really available. To get the other kind of more granular details about how well your mobile um, program is going, whether it's SMS opt-ins, opt-outs, or push notification acceptance, or even monthly active users, you've got to use a platform that's part of your mobile engagement strategy to figure out what that is. And I think a lot of times people forget about this. But really, I mean, I my red light goes off or my kind of warning light goes off if I talk to someone and they don't have those details, because um, it really should be something that you're monitoring every single day. I completely agree. Uh, I know we've been talking a little bit about Starbucks and just kind of what they've done on mobile. So tell me a little bit more about why you think there's such a great mobile use case and story for their effort. Starbucks came back with a technology that people really thought was dead, and that was QR codes. Essentially, you know what? We're going to build our own payment platform using something really simple like a QR code. And I, I really just kind of thought they've, they've really kind of broken the mold and said, we can do this right if we have a great experience. And they've been just continuously innovating, uh, whether it's payment and loyalty and customer feedback, you know, they're really kind of are, are really the, um, the brand and experience to kind of match. So I, I think they've got a great head start. Well, and I love QR codes. So I'm glad you mentioned them. I know a lot of people thought they were dead and I would have been in the same boat. But it's, I think we just started with QR codes, like in the 2010 timeframe when people just had smartphones, didn't even understand how to use their smartphone or being asked to download an app to scan a QR code. It was too much. So now I think what Starbucks has done with, you know, Snap codes, Spotify is using them. So many major brands are, it's really changing how people think about activation. Every airline, right? So every airline now has mobile boarding passes through QR codes. Uh, and also with iOS 11, you know, you got a, a great a great feature there because the, the, the camera now has a built-in QR code scanner. So that solved a huge problem that we had uh, as marketers to get the adoption of QR codes to accelerate. Preach. That's all I got to say. So, <laughs> so where do you think the future of mobile is headed? I'm really excited that RCS, which is Rich Communication Services, is really kind of taking SMS to the next level. A lot of things that marketers want to do in the SMS channel with visual, you know, images of the product and, and, and video and um, conversational logic, all those things were really hard to do in the SMS context. And MMS gave us some of those capabilities but the costs were really high and uh, the whole hassle of trying to figure out how to get images to load on different phones really kind of ruined the whole experience. However, we're partnering very closely uh, with Google um, to build out uh, the next generation of messaging, which is called Rich Communication Services. And what's really interesting about RCS is that it's actually a experience that lives inside the native messaging app on your phone. So for example, for Android, the default you know, SMS application that you have on every single Android device will now actually support RCS. And so um, what we were, we were built actually for Subway is that order ahead experience 
completely within the native messaging application. So that means I can have a transactional or marketing message come into the phone, you know, asking the, the consumer, hey, you know, we haven't seen you in a while and we have a great lunch special. And I can take that kind of marketing message that comes in through the traditional SMS channel, move it to RCS, and then convert that to a purchase. And if that consumer comes back and says, you know what, I actually don't have lunch plans, from the messaging app, they can go ahead and, and customize their order, find a subway, and have it ordered right from their phone without downloading anything. So I love that you guys are all in on RCS because I think it really is a huge opportunity for mobile marketers to start taking a really to get aware of now, start thinking about how to implement it, especially if they're B2C. What do you think the biggest challenges are for a company when they think about RCS for the first time and trying to figure out how it fits in their overall mobile strategy? Well, I, I think it's just right now awareness. You know, I think uh, this is kind of the, you know, one of the things about being an innovator is you're you're talking about things, they're not mainstream yet, right? They're, they're kind of, they're growing. So you have to be patient and you have to really explain you know, this is where the market's going and let's go on a journey together and, and go build this. So, you know, for us, we're finding really innovative companies like like Subway that have, you know, international reach. Uh, they have uh, large aspirations to grow mobile uh, and they want to be on that vision of, of, of making the, the best in the future mobile experience. Well, and that's why it's so important to start thinking about that stuff now and testing it out and figuring out how it's going to work for your brand. So two years from now, when everyone's doing it, you're not playing catch up. I know like Google 100% is behind RCS. So let's talk about the other the other big behemoth, Apple. What do you think they're going to do with RCS? I mean, do you see them fully adopting it as well? You know, I think Apple Business Chat is is really interesting. I mean, it's already out there. So, for example, if you go in your, in your uh, iOS phone right now and you just search for the contact Home Depot, by default, you're going to find Home Depot as a contact because it's a bot that is serviced by Apple Business Chat. And so that discoverability is something that is very in- interesting to, to marketers where essentially every brand is discoverable as a contact. And that's what Apple Business Chat has done really well. We're hoping that those same RCS capabilities can be built into Apple Business Chat or actually through iMessage. That would really be the best thing for the consumer. I mean, no one can predict what they're going to do, but I just have a hard time thinking that they aren't going to go fully in on RCS. It really, when you think about it from the consumer experience, it's what mobile should be, right? It's what we're all going to expect. Dave has such an impressive background in mobile and a really great pulse on what marketers need to pay attention to in the mobile space. He brings up a bunch of great points, but one of the ones that I loved was the idea that QR codes have made a major comeback. Just look at the big brands using them today. Starbucks, Snapchat, Spotify, Disney, and I can go on and on. QR codes may have gotten a bad rap initially, but they're definitely an activation point that marketers need to take a second look at today. Now let's get to my favorite part of the show where we take the education and apply it to your business. There are so many great insights from my conversation with Dave that can really help transform how you think about mobile marketing. Let's dive into my top three takeaways. First, if you're going to do a mobile app, then you've got to strive to make it one of the top five most used apps by your consumers. For most brands, this is going to be difficult. I get it, especially when you look at the fact that Facebook or Google own eight out of the 10 most used apps overall. 
And the other challenge we're going to face is mobile app apathy. It's real and it's not going away. When Steve Jobs first introduced the App Store back in July of 2008, there were over 500 apps. Today, there's over 2 million in the App Store and 3.8 in Google Play, and it's, it's constantly growing. But app adoption is steadily decreasing. Now, almost 50% of consumers don't download a single new app in a three-month period. Think back to the last time you downloaded an app. It's probably longer ago than you think. But let's say we were able to convince someone to download an app, typically at a cost of 3 to $4 per acquisition of app downloads. You still have to make sure you're providing ongoing value if you want them to keep that app on their home screen and keep engaging with it. And if you don't, they're going to likely delete it or put it in a folder that's three pages in on their home screen and forget they even have it. But all hope isn't lost. Take a look at what McDonald's has done with their mobile app. Earlier this year, the CEO of McDonald's publicly said that their mobile app adoption rates were low. In fact, I'm pretty sure he said it during an investor call, which is a bold statement for any senior leader to make. But what's most impressive is how they fixed it. They first identified areas for improvement in the user experience and made sure the technology was more reliable to consumers. But they also took it one step further and fixed the in-store issues with fulfilling mobile orders. And what happened was they saw usage of the Android app rise by 20 to 40% during summer months, and they doubled the pace of downloads in Q3. Now, it helps that they use advertising dollars to drive app downloads, but what really is most important is that they were providing value to their users. It's a similar story with the Starbucks app. People find value in what Starbucks provides, and that's why they're on board with giving it the precious space on their home screen that all marketers covet. So if you have a mobile app, and let's be honest, most of us do, and if you're not seeing the type of engagement ROI you want, which also is applicable to most of us, I believe, then it's time to do some research to find out how your current users are using the app? What don't they like about it? What do they wish that it had? And then also, what would potential users want from your app? What would convince them to download it for the first time? Because if you're not making your app compelling, it won't matter how many people you get to download it because few of them are gonna stay. Next, don't underestimate the power of referral programs. They might even be more powerful than reviews given how consumers buy today. Think about it. Are you more likely to trust the recommendation of a friend or a random review that you've read online, like Yelp, Travelocity, etc.? For me, I'm going to trust my friend. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm still going to look at reviews if I can't get a personal recommendation. But the value I place on a recommendation or referral is so much higher than any review I see or any ad. This is why it's so important to think about referral programs. And there's a couple different ways to think about it. The most traditional approach is a brand provides a special incentive to a current customer for referring another potential customer to try out their product or service. This is how brands like Stitch Fix, Tesla, Dropbox, Subway, and others run their referral programs. In some cases, these brands also offer a special promotion to the referred person. So your friend also gets an offer with you. This approach is all about driving more sales, which completely makes sense given how we're all focused on increasing the bottom line. But not everyone wants to be sold to in your first experience with them. I want to challenge us to think about referral programs at the top of the funnel too. For instance, how many mobile apps do you see making it easier for a user to share the app with one of their friends? I know I haven't seen many doing this, and it would be something fairly easy to implement, especially if you're using a progressive web app. Think of it as an old-school email version of Forward to a Friend that allows you to drive higher adoption of your mobile efforts without requiring a large investment in advertising. And if you're delivering relevant content that resonates with your users, then they're typically going to be happy to give it and share it with, to others. Now finally, rich communication service 
or RCS, it's coming. We all need to get on board. I believe it's what most mobile marketers thought MMS would be, but it's a thousand times better. Granted, there are some limitations today because it's only supported by Android and not Apple. So, and if your audience is primarily located in the US, that's gonna prevent you from including it as one of the major components of your mobile strategy. But don't forget, it's coming. It truly simplifies how brands can engage with customers in one-to-one communications at scale using primary messaging apps that most consumers already use today and want to use to interact with brands. I imagine a future where I can directly from my messaging app receive a promotional offer from a local restaurant, order my lunch, get real-time updates on delivery, and take a survey all within my native messaging app. It's really gonna be a big game changer for brands assuming Apple fully adopts it. And Apple, if you're listening, we want it, we need it, please. As a marketer, I'm really hoping Apple goes all in on RCS and enables us to take another giant leap forward in providing an exceptional customer experience via mobile. Now onto my mobile marketing challenge for the week. I want you to take 30 minutes, or better yet, an hour if you got it, to learn more about RCS. While it's not a mainstream technology yet, it's something that you need to fully understand now and start testing out different use cases with RCS with your customers. This will help you determine how to make RCS best work for your brand so you're prepared to take advantage of this new technology once Apple finally gets on board and fully supports it. You've been listening to Mobile Matters. If you haven't yet, subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. You can also visit lumivate.com slash blog to get more access to thought leaders, best practices, and all things mobile. 